In the book of Acts, Paul illustrates an important biblical perspective. It's this. For the Christian, life is ministry. Everywhere you go and everything you do is an opportunity to serve the Lord. While Paul was looking ahead and planning ahead, he was quick to use every opportunity, planned or otherwise, to serve God by ministering to others. How about you? Welcome to The Wisdom Journey. Stephen's lesson today is called Flexibility in Serving God. As we set sail today, we arrive at the final chapter here in the book of Acts. And as chapter 28 opens, we're told that Paul and his fellow shipwrecked travelers have now washed ashore on the island of Malta, just south of the Italian peninsula. I've had the privilege of preaching on the island of Malta, and from my hotel window, I imagine the Apostle Paul and all the others swimming ashore, exhausted, soaking wet, and yet very grateful to be alive. Well, now they're going to need help to get warm. Luke tells us here in verse 2, the native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all. Luke tells us that the Apostle Paul lends a hand And as he gathers firewood, a snake slithers out and bites down on Paul's hand. It's a highly poisonous snake, and the villagers assume Paul is going to be dead in a matter of minutes. They assume this prisoner under Roman guard is a violent criminal. Although, well, he's evidently escaped drowning at sea, the gods were catching up to him and will soon die. But when Paul shows no ill effects here from this snake bite, the people actually change their minds and assume He must be some kind of God. Well, this is an unusual event here. In fact, Mark chapter 16 informs us that the apostolic community would miraculously survive snake bites. Well, Paul does. Now, beloved, that apostolic era is over, so don't start handling rattlesnakes to prove some promise that doesn't apply to us today. Now, Malta's leading citizen is a man named Publius, and he hosts the survivors for three days. Paul ends up healing his father, who's described here in verse 8 as being sick with fever and dysentery. Following this miraculous healing, verse 9 tells us the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They just sort of line up here, and the apostle Paul heals them all. And we can be sure he also gave them the gospel of Christ. Now, obviously, uh, Paul's made a lot of friends uh, because of this, and the villagers, in turn, provide all the travelers with everything they're going to need as they prepare to set sail again. Well, eventually, Paul sets sail again for Rome on another ship, and they arrive in the port city of Puteoli on the western coast of Italy, and Paul stays there for seven days with fellow believers. Now, finally, Paul and those who are traveling with him begin the final leg of his journey to Rome. It's been a long, difficult, it's been a winding journey, but through all the dangers and and all the delays, Paul has set an example for us by serving the Lord wherever God took him. These unexpected difficulties, these unplanned delays, well, they ended up providing unexpected 
developments. Obstacles ended up being opportunities in disguise. And Paul, as an example to us, was was flexible enough to make the most of what God was unveiling. Now, Rome is the capital city of the Roman Empire. It happens to be the center of pagan unbelief, but it's also the home of a growing church. Some believers from Rome, were told, come out to meet Paul on the road, and, and they welcomed him. Luke writes here in verse 15, on seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. By the way, don't overlook this, this type of ministry here. I'd like to, to call it the ministry of presence. You just show up and you encourage someone with the love of Christ. Now, verse 16 tells us Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. So that lets us know he's officially in the custody of the Roman Empire, but he'll still be able to have visitors. In fact, verse 17 tells us that Paul called together the local leaders of the Jews, and he explains to them down here in verse 20 that he's arrived in Rome because of the hope of Israel. See, his message is all about the Messiah, the hope of Israel, the hope of the world, and that hope, that message has brought him to Rome in chains. Well, these Jewish leaders want to know more about Christianity And verse 23 tells us what happened next. Well, the leaders came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. That's a long way of saying Paul is not wasting any time here. Even though he's in the custody of Romans, he's guarded by Roman soldiers. There's no pity party going on here. Paul isn't feeling sorry for himself. Again, Paul is flexible. He's adapting. He's making the best possible use of his ever-changing life and and with it, ever-changing ministry opportunities. And the results of his ministry now are reported here in verse 24. Some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. Some people then turned away from the Lord, but others turned toward the Lord and believed in Christ. Regardless of their decision, Paul isn't discouraged. He knows that he isn't responsible for the results, and neither are you, beloved. The results of your ministry efforts belong to God. The responsibility of doing the ministry belongs to us. Well, Paul now warns the unbelievers by quoting the word of the Lord to Isaiah here in verse 26, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. Paul then adds in verse 28, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. So just as before, Paul proclaims the gospel first to the Jews And then he moves on to the Gentiles. He gave his fellow Jews a unique opportunity to hear all about their Messiah, and now the Gentiles are going to hear about Christ as well. Now, with that, quite frankly, the book of Acts ends rather abruptly. We read here in verses 30 and 31, Paul lived here two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. 
Frankly, I can't help but think of those Roman soldiers guarding him all this time as they rotated in shifts. All of them heard the gospel. Again, Paul isn't wasting any time. He's, he's not writing all his friends complaining about his situation. Instead, Paul, Paul will write what we now today call the prison epistles, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. But don't overlook the fact that that this wasn't the ministry Paul had envisioned in Rome. Don't forget this was not his ministry plan. It was God's ministry plan, and Paul embraced it. You know, I, I think of the fact that some people spend their lives knocking on doors God never opens and miss the doors God is opening instead. Remain flexible. Adapt as you follow the changing ministry plans of God. Well, what happened after these two years in Rome? Luke doesn't tell us here, but if we put together some clues from Paul's letters, it appears his case was dismissed or postponed for a while. He was able to travel. He was released to minister for a few more years. In 1 Timothy 1, verse 3, Paul refers to visiting and serving in Macedonia and in the city of Ephesus. Titus chapter 3 and verse 12 mentions Paul being in Nicopolis. And and again, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he mentions visiting Troas there in verse 13. Finally, from what Paul writes in his last letter, 2 Timothy, It's clear Paul is once again imprisoned in Rome. Now he's anticipating his execution. He writes that he's finished his race and he's fought a good fight. This second arrest and imprisonment in Rome fits with historical sources and church traditions that tell us that Paul was finally martyred. He was beheaded by the order of Nero, the Roman emperor. Was Paul able to testify before Nero? Well, even though it's not recorded in Scripture, I have every reason to believe he did. Why? Well, because back in Acts chapter 27 and verse 24, the Lord promised Paul that he would stand before Caesar one day. And God's promises always come true. Well, with that, we conclude our wisdom journey through the book of Acts. It's a book that bears testimony to this very day through the lives of believers literally around the world today that God's ministry plans for our lives might change over time. But our message remains the same. Jesus Christ is alive. He is building his church today around the world. Well, until we set sail again, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey, and he called this lesson Flexibility in Serving God. Stephen is the president of Wisdom International. With today's lesson, he completed the book of Acts. This wisdom journey is taking you through the entire Bible. That means that the next time we're with you, Stephen will begin the book of Romans. If you'd like to go back and listen to any of the lessons from the Old Testament, the Gospels, or the book of Acts, 
they've been posted to our website. You can listen to Stephen's lesson or watch the video version for all of them. You'll find us online at wisdomonline.org. The archive of all the previous lessons of the Wisdom Journey are there, and they're available free and on demand at wisdomonline.org. We're going to be working over the next several months to upload more of our foreign language content. We have a little bit there already, and we want to offer all nine of our current languages. And the exciting thing is that this technology will work with every language on earth. So, as God enables us to develop more languages, we'll be able to present those to a global audience. Visit wisdomonline.org to see what I'm talking about. Thanks again for listening. Be sure and join us next time to continue your wisdom journey.